you know, kind of that we are in a little bit of a mini crypto winter right now. Recessions happen to be a time that every company that I've ever really built significantly has been in a recession. And so now that we're going into another one of those, I'm really excited for that. And I don't mean to say that in, in a kind of in a you know, a flippant way. I mean, there's a lot of people that go through hard times with this, but it's a great time for the people who are really serious about this and building the real aspects of the future for them to thrive and come through this even stronger than uh, than they went into it. So, Welcome to the Alpha Pod, hosted by me, Jessa. What is Alpha? Alpha and Web3 are things that are not known by many or oftentimes you're hearing it first. We've undergone a little rebrand and taken the show to the next level. Not only will we continue to explore the world of Web3, we're going to expand into learning about leadership and what it takes to build a sustainable business. Today's guest is Jason Mello, who at the time of recording was CTO of VHS, the company responsible for Zed Run. And now he's full-time on his new project called Touchbrick. Everything you're about to hear is not financial advice and meant for educational purposes only. I don't endorse any of the guests on this show unless specifically expressed. Some of the guests is the first time meeting and learning about their projects in real time as we're recording. So without further ado, let's tap into the episode. So I'm glad to have you here. Jason, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to the audience? Cool. Thanks, Joseph. Uh, yeah, so Jason Mello, I am CTO at uh, VHS, Virtually Human Studio, a Web3 entertainment uh, and gaming company focused on entertainment, right? So, uh, and I've been in the Web3 space for a while now, also co-founder of a, another Web3 startup called Touchbrick steeped in the space, uh, have been involved in blockchain and crypto for a while now, since about 2012. And I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur, CTO for the entirety of my career. So kind of across a number of different uh, projects throughout the years, uh, e-commerce, uh, artificial intelligence, crypto, financial services. And um, so that's me. Yeah. Um, why don't you tell everybody I, I know who VHS is but yeah. um, there's there's a flagship there's product a flagship. that I'm yeah. sure a lot of the listeners will have heard yeah and a lot of times I kind of intentionally don't mention the flagship right off the bat and yeah. really like to touch on VHS uh, because you know we are a studio an entertainment studio with a, a number of different properties now but our flagship is Zed run and that's yeah. what most folks in the, in the space would know about and so Zed run is I think right now technically the largest sports gaming property uh, in the blockchain space. And so Zed Run is, for folks who don't know, a virtual horse racing uh, game. So not only the racing, but also the breeding and operating stables and all the different aspects that you would have in real world horse racing and horse breeding we've emulated that and brought that over into the digital space and specifically onto the blockchain uh vhs like it's not obviously uh said run is one product so you guys have multiple products multiple games yeah we do we have three now so we released human park back in may i believe was our first um drop of that game so human park (laughs) you you said that very web three like back in may that was a month ago oh i know (laughs) (laughs) month is a is a lifetime right yeah in uh, in crypto and in web3 so it it feels like that already so yeah human park we released uh last month back in may and uh we have an upcoming game releasing this summer called anamora 
So those are three very different games, very different experiences in, in the entertainment space. Human Park, kind of think about it as, um, you know, Fortnite meets PUBG meets Decentraland, uh, but on the Unreal gaming engine. So on Unreal 5, so high fidelity experience, first of its kind in terms of blockchain wallet integration on the Unreal engine. We built that in partnership with Epic Games, uh, the creators of, of Unreal. So that's been a really fantastic project and really excited about that. And uh, Animora is an upcoming release. I won't go into too much detail on that, but that's uh, more in the in the pixel art space. Uh, and uh, that one is, just like Zedron, is uh, focused on web and mobile and mobile web. Uh, whereas Human Park is, as I mentioned, Unreal. So that's you know, gaming PCs, Mac, and uh, we'll see about future releases on uh, high-end consoles. How did you get into the Web3 space? When I got into, at the time, it was just you know blockchain, crypto, yeah, yeah. right? So back in 2012, I was the co-founder of uh, an exchange called ItBit. And ItBit was, at the time, the largest exchange in the U.S., and we were also the first ever regulated exchange. Um, and we received our FDIC insurance, first of its kind in the crypto space, first ever digital asset platform exchange to be FDIC insured um, by the U.S. banking regulation. So that company then uh, became pivoted into what's now called Paxos. Uh, the IPIT brand still exists and that exchange still exists, but that was my first foray into the space back in, back in 2012. Uh, and actually, remember going to the first ever Bitcoin conference back in 2013, uh, and I was uh, speaking with my wife about this recently, where uh, that was Vitalik's first ever uh, presentation on Ethereum and what he was going to do with Ethereum and this whole concept of smart contracts. And it was kind of really interesting to see the reception that he got in, in that uh, in that conference where there's you know, a few people in the room kind of getting it and nodding their heads and you know, the rest of the room just either confused or shaking their heads. So it's yeah. a wild time to be part of the space. How did you stumble on the space? Uh, I had exited my first company, sold my first company and decided to, after, you know, I stayed in California for a few years. We sold the company to uh, another company in Silicon Valley, did the Silicon Valley thing for a few years. And then, and then I decided to come back to New York and really get into financial services. That was a space that I really wanted to crack into and start building trading systems uh, in the financial services market. So started off building uh, what are called dark pools, which allow kind of big whales in the equities markets to place to either buy or sell very large quantities of shares without sending those signals out to the public market. And they could, you know, aggregate all of their, their buy-sell side activity and execute that in the public market at the last minute. So I was building trading systems in, uh, in Darkpool. Uh, also getting into private shares. So built one of the first platforms ever to uh, trade private, private equity. So investing in private companies without having to have, you know, exit events like companies going public or being sold or things like that. So as I was building those systems, a couple of hedge fund guys reached out to me and said, hey, we have this crazy idea to build a crypto exchange. We really like we love this Bitcoin thing and we started mining it and we think that we can build an exchange around it. And uh, I said, well, that sounds interesting and yes, crazy. And so I decided, hey, why, why not? Why not get into the space? And uh, so it, it was an interesting kind of intersection because at the time I was building a lot of things on NASDAQ and using NASDAQ uh, protocols. 
So we essentially adopted those protocols and brought them into the crypto space. So if you were someone that was on, say, Wall Street, exchanging in public equities and any other, other kinds of like assets in that realm, you could plug into the crypto space on our exchange in a very kind of similar way, using the same protocols, the same APIs that, that, you, that you know, the industry was used to at that time. So uh, that's what made me kind of jump ship from traditional financial services and get into the crypto space and build the IPIT exchange. Uh, at the time, we, you know, the U.S. government and kind of just the currents around crypto was way more Wild West and way more uh, scary. Dark web. Dark. Oh, yeah, <laughs> dark web. And this was, you know, the, the days of Silk Road and yeah. all of that that was going on, uh, even kind of prior to Silk Road um, when that was going on. So we actually founded the company in Singapore uh, because we were... You know, for a couple of different reasons. One, worried about U.S. regulation. Two, the Singaporean government was matching investment dollars, kind of dollar for dollar for any VC funds that we were raising. So it was a really advantageous place to go and create our company, especially to create a crypto exchange at the time. So we founded the company and started building it all in Singapore. And once we got more you know, kind of signals that the U.S. was coming around to more kind of favorable conditions and more acceptance of any kind of crypto activity at all. We moved the exchange, we moved the team, the operations all to New York City. And uh, that's when we fully launched the exchange. We were already back in New York City and, and up and running there. I mean, a lot of the space is like trying things that have not been done. And then you're pushing regulation limits and stuff like that with uh with zed run do you guys run into any regulation li limitations on um whether or not it's considered gambling how yeah there, there there's a lot of that um you know one, it's a, you know, it is truly a game of skill in terms yeah. of what we're doing. So there's a lot of work and we work with, with different regulators and, um, you know, different government jurisdictions all the time in terms of not only that it is a game of skill, but the provability around that and, and pushing into that space because we want to, we always want to and are acting as one of the you know responsible actors in the space, right? We're not just looking to, you know, do a cash grab or, or just kind of, you know, grab opportunities really quickly in this space without being thoughtful, without working with jurisdictions and legislators and all of that. So the game of skill aspect versus speculative gambling is a big part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, we are also looking at different avenues in terms of partnerships around different gaming aspects, whether that's betting or fantasy leagues and, and, and all kinds of aspects there. Our, our first step always is working with regulators uh, in terms of understanding that. And in certain jurisdictions, we are able to operate and operate quite well because of how um, not only kind of responsible but, but sophisticated our team is, but in other jurisdictions, we just simply can't, you know, touch those aspects of the game and that's fine. And we have kind of different features enabled in some jurisdictions where they might not be for people in other jurisdictions. The other aspect that we work um, very closely with regulators, especially from a, you know, call it an SEC perspective or other regulations like that, whether it's in Australia, the U.S. or other places, 
is our upcoming uh, token that we're integrating into Zed. So we've worked with a company that has you know, built and issued the token for us to use within our game economy. And so we're inter we've integrated that token into the Zed Run experience and brought that in, um, in terms of being able to provide and drive utility for our users, for, for Zed's, uh, for, the, for the owners and the participants and the gamers within Zed. Is that token out? Already? So the token and its smart contracts are all live on mainnet. They all exist uh, on the Polygon network. We have not turned the token on within Zed just yet. We're working on a few different utility use cases around that so that we can drive, uh, whether it's around trials and lending, uh, staking those, those trials from the use of the token and other aspects of like token utility. That's more important for us versus just saying, putting a token out there and allowing kind of, you know, the value to, to just kind of drive itself, right? And say, right. well, hey, there's a token. And, you know, because Zed has some value, therefore the token has value. That's not how we look at it. We really care about the utility that we're bringing to participants in, in the game. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird time because, uh, like the way that a lot of these companies are being perceived, I think there's two different types of audiences, right? There's a lot of, we talked about this off camera. Um, there's a lot of people that are buying and getting into these straight off of like financial oh, hope for financial gain and um, like speculative, literally just cannot buy. And they look at projects and the only indication in their heads is good good price good project bad price bad project and that seems to be it and then you have like people who are building predominantly usually gaming studios or um they're building not for crypto twitter they're building real games that will have users and stuff like that like how much of that inner dialogue do you guys have of like how to make a really fun game and then like incorporate the uh, Web3 side of it. Yeah, exactly. We, we talk about that all the time. And yeah. in fact, you know, this space is always referred to as play to earn. We actually see it as play and earn. Yeah. And that's a really important distinction for us because, cool. you know, with play and earn, it means that we are focused on the experience. We're focused on delighting the, you know, our, our gamers and the owners within the Zed uh, ecosystem. Yeah. You know, for us, any of the earn aspect is a byproduct of all of that. And that's wonderful. And we, we, it's important that that's there but it's never our guiding light. It's never our, our North Star in terms of why we're building a feature, what we're doing. It's always about the play. And so it's always about that experience around the play. Yeah, which I think is important, right? I, I think uh, a lot of these games coming in, that's what they're leading with is the earn, earn, earn. And now you have all these people who are coming in and they're ca causing this jump and, yeah. and swing in the prices and then the people who are there to play are just getting wrecked and exactly. um, it's going to be hard to build in that type of uh, environment really. It really is and, and you're going to start to see I think you know we have this intersection now of what you're touching on right and all these people who are coming in and just looking at the urn looking at the urn and then now with the current market conditions within the crypto space the actual you know, the, the, the real pioneers, the people who care about the space, the people who care about bringing all that Web3 means.
things, right? All of the, you know, the ownership economy, the fact that we are empowering uh, people within the space, the people who are focused, the companies who are focused on those experiences and bringing that forward, they're the ones that are going to thrive and they'll always thrive throughout this. And we see ourselves as that. I mean, you know, Zed is the, the pioneer of the ownership economy in the space and we don't take that, we see it as a responsibility and we don't take that lightly. So we're continuing to push more and more into that space the more the further that we go like uh applaud you guys for looking at that especially in a in a time where like you see how much uh we talk we hear about like depression and all these negative things that came with web 2 and i think they're going to just be amplified in web 3 because now there's money involved yeah. <laughs> it's all the same things with web i mean all, all the people that are staying up late buying and minting nfts and there's constant flow of information and just stimulation and now your money is in an online like i think we're going to see a a a big uh impact in people's lives so it's very important to think about those things yeah 100 percent. and you know for us like we, we just see it as we're building a platform so that owners and creators can exist on top of that and create their own experiences and bring their own things forward and not try to manipulate or gamify them so that it just ends up being a whole swath of people sitting in front of, you know, their slot machines, just mindlessly like looking for the next payout, looking for the next payout. Do you collect NFTs? I do. Yeah. What, uh, what was the last mint? The last mint, the last mint for me would have been, uh, one of the nudes, uh, N-O-O-D-S, one of the nudes in Human Park. Okay. So that was the last NFT that I, that, uh, I minted. Yeah, talk, talk to me a little bit about the, the Human Park. Yeah, so Human Park, as I was mentioning before, it's a you know, metaverse experience on the Unreal Engine. And really it's about ex- different experiences that people can have in you know different whether it's gaming environments or if you just want to kind of run around the world like gta style or you know dive into a mini game which might be you know secret agent or dive into something else which might look a little bit more like you know a a Fortnite raid or whatnot and so there's all these different worlds and different experiences and we've got a bunch of great partners that we've already onboarded that their you know properties essentially will also be in these in these worlds so we started with the concept of creating a nude right so it's it's an avatar without a face uh, without any other kind of like distinguishing features, but then you can customize your nude. You can say, okay, what is the, the body type, the height, the gender? And then you can actually put tattoos all over your nude. You can decide to keep uh, your nude completely kind of blank canvas, or there's a number of different tattoos that we have, either different designs, designs that you can create. Our partners are contributing, you know, their logos, their, you know, IP that you could also leverage as, as a tattoo on your nude. So you really get to make it your own and customize this avatar that represents you in it's disconnected from your human persona, but it's still very individualized in terms of who you are and how you are represented in, in this particular metaverse experience. The nude is an NFT. Is an NFT. That's and right. then as you customize it, is it happening off chain or on chain? So the customization happens off-chain, and then you essentially you then lock that in and mint it as you've customized it. Okay. So in any kind of further customizations that will come down the road, those will be additional NFTs that you can then acquire and apply them to your nude. 
and whether that's something that like you adorn on on yourself or a vehicle or anything else that you might use and what chain is this running on uh polygon polygon interesting in just gaming in general right like that's the the ability to customize it is going to be huge that's you're building your identity in this metaverse tell me about touch brick so touch brick is another company that you're working on right yeah, yeah. So, co-founder of Touchbrick. Um, Touchbrick is a so Web three SaaS platform that really focuses on what does SaaS stand Sa- for? SaaS stands for software as a service, right? So, essentially, anything that you can consume through your web browser, right? It's not installed. It's kind of how most software is experienced these days. So. If you think about something like, you know, going to like Salesforce, right? Salesforce.com, if you use that as a CRM in your business, that's a SaaS application, software as a service. TurboTax. TurboTax, exactly. Versus like Adobe Photoshop, which, yeah, there's online versions of Photoshop, but mostly how you use Photoshop is as an installed application on your computer. So that's SaaS. So um, Touchbrick is a SaaS platform that's really focused on looking at how businesses can enter Web3 and doing it in a way that really recognizes that, you know, both the business and its customers are not crypto savvy, right? They're, they're, they don't have MetaMask wallets or they don't have wallets at all. They don't really maybe necessarily understand all of the different aspects of a Web3 project or a tokenization project, but they know that they want to get into the space. They want to tap into the opportunities that are there and they want to take advantage of that. They aren't necessarily, or not even necessarily, they, they aren't well positioned to hire teams of developers to build smart contracts for them, nor do they really kind of know how to find a provider for that or do those things. They want to connect their data to a tokenization project. So maybe that's something where it's social login to authorize a a token purchase, or it's the fact that once there's a transaction that happens on chain, how do they kind of recognize that transaction within their CRM and be able to have uh, a connection to that, to that user, to that, that customer, that participant in their, in their, uh, in their token. So maybe it's a, you know, an NFT, um, you know, an NFT project, maybe it's real estate, maybe it's uh, you know, music properties and NFTs like that. There's also a ton of utility that you want to bring into a, tokenize, a tokenization project. It's not just about issue a token and walk away and you collect your residual on the transaction in happy days. Like That's a part of it, but you want to be able to bring utility into that. And so how do you actually connect your business, your data to that utility? So, so Touchbrick really focuses on that that overall space and recognizes it and then delivers it in a you know no code drag and drop environment where business users are empowered to create these end to end token flows that's integrated with their business without having to be not only crypto savvy but also very technically savvy in right. specifically things like whether it's solidity or um, you know, on Solana, you know, creating contracts there. It's a it, it spans across a multi-chain backend that allows you to take advantage of what blockchain is right given the type of project that you're trying to do. Right. So maybe you're going to be pushing a high volume of transactions, or you really care about having you know as large of an audience right now for your your NFT or your token that you're releasing. Well. 
that might guide you to releasing it on, say, Solana versus Ethereum. Right. Um, but I just saw, you know, Solana just this past week, I think, passed, it eclipsed uh, Ethereum in terms of the amount of NFTs that are, that are deployed on it. So we'll see if that kind of Ethereum, uh, you know, use case is still, is still prevalent anymore. Talk about chains. Yeah. <laughs> um, you are pretty first in most of the chains then? I, I mean, try to be and try yeah. to stay on top of it. I mean, I'm really interested and, and try to keep my, you know, a beat on all the new chains that are emerging and coming out. I mean, I'm, I'm really interested in all the smart contract innovation that's coming forward, right? You know, Ethereum was a fantastic first foray into into smart contracts and what we can do there and the evm model is ph phenomenal and you know the erc specs around like you know we're, we're always having emerging standards in terms of what we can push there but now we're starting to see you know chains come out like um former uh, uh former people from meta starting a new blockchain called aptos and they're really focused on smarter contracts and more, you know, kind of a, a more in-depth runtime in terms of what you can do there and things that look more like what we can develop on, say, platforms like, say, you know, Node.js or Rust or, or any of those types of runtimes, that's now starting to come into the smart contract space. So yeah. uh, very much trying to keep uh, an eye on blockchains as they evolve because, you know, I believe, and I think it is the case, is that it's not about picking a single winner. Like, hey, who's going to be the winner? Who's going to be the blockchain to rule them all? You know, this isn't Lord of the Rings. Uh, it's more about an internet of blockchains and understanding, like, how to take advantage of that entire kind of ecosystem as it sprawls out. There. Like, you see a, a multi-chain future then. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I personally don't think all of them are going to survive. No, not at all. <laughs> I think 90% of them <laughs> nor, will die. Nor should they. Yeah. Yeah, right. Are there any of them that you feel are, are strong contenders for, or uh, I guess like the different use cases that you see um, some of them thriving in? Yeah. Well, I see, I see Solana as, as one of the, you know, call it the winners, one that, that will really survive through that. I think if we look at, Transactional throughput, their support for, you know, really in-depth Web3 experiences, whether that's in the gaming space or elsewise, uh, the cost of transactions. I mean, there, there's a ton of positives around there. I also am very much a fan of, you know, the proof-of-stake models versus proof-of-work models. So any of the chains are moving towards that or have been built in that model are, are the way to go. You know, even Ethereum uh, with, with its upcoming, um, what are they calling it, the... The, the merge or the... The two. Well, right. We'll see Ethereum 2, but we're not supposed to call it Ethereum 2 anymore. There's like <laughs> the consensus chain and then the transactional chain. I forget. <laughs> but anyway, they're, they're moving towards that proof of stake model versus proof of work. Which and has been coming out this August for the last five years. This August something. for the last five years, exactly. <laughs> so five years from now in August, it will, it will finally come out. Um, but, you know, I think Ethereum will still have legs for a very long time just because, you know, the, the size of the economy that's there. Yeah. You know, I also, you know, even though I wouldn't consider Hedera as a public chain, I think it's an interesting model in terms of what's coming through. And for certain you know, enterprise use cases, I think there's a place for either Hedera itself or other models that, that look like that. And more and more, blockchain should adopt things that like what NIR, the NIR protocol is doing. Mm -hmm. You know, being carbon neutral, carbon negative, really focused on sustainability and not only from a, like, what are the optics around blockchain, but what we really truly should be doing from a sustainability perspective. Yeah. Um, and 
that at kind of at a you know, high level, you can say, okay, yeah, proof of stake is much better than proof of work for that reason. Like, yeah, that's the case, but it goes a lot deeper than that. And so I'm really interested in, in blockchains that are bringing the smart contract innovation, but at the same time with a real focus on sustainability. So uh, I know Avalanche is moving in that way as well. So they're another one that I would put high on my list in terms of uh, one of the uh, one of the top performers in the blockchain space. Anybody that is looking to get into the space or to build a project, what would be the top like three things that you would want to to tell them or recommend for somebody coming in to build? I would say, first off, even though I feel that the word community is thrown around all the time in, in Web3 and blockchain space, and I, th I think it's important, right? Community is important. But to me, community is, you know, it's like the whole world, right? Like, it's not just about, hey, can I find the right Discord to get into? Can I find, like, the, the, where the cool kids are hanging out and get into that? But in terms of learning about the space, I think that diving into certain communities is, is super important. The one um, that I would follow, and it's maybe more from like a developer perspective or understanding it there, but the, the Web3 Foundation and the, um, the Blockchain consor Consortium, their communities, their online resources, I think are a fantastic way to get kind of a perspective on what's going on in the industry overall, right? Who are the major players? Who are the major backers? What are then like the websites you can just kind of find out and dive into and, and learn more? Uh, in terms of if you're still from like a developer mindset, I would say just go to the, the, to the blockchains that I've mentioned, go to the developer site, dig into that, read a little bit more uh, about what's going on there and get involved that way. Uh, another another thing that I would say is around you know conferences. There's there's probably a conference every week these days in Web yeah. three, like it's madness. But <laughs> I know because I've been yeah. going to them right. and filming these. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So going to the conferences is is great. Uh, just just have conversations. You know, I yeah. think I think the panels are cool. You'll get you know, in the speakers and the panels, you get uh, a few tidbits there. But just having conversations, you know, meeting the people who have booths there, having kind of the hallway conversations, you'll, you'll find it a lot more. So, you know, there's, um, there's student discounts for these. There's uh, a ton of different ways that you can get access to, to conferences and learn more and read up about it. But I think that's, that's another way. And then, um, you know, Twitter. I, you know, there's, uh, it, Twitter is where Web3 is happening and finding some good people to follow there. I mean, if you go check out my Twitter and probably kind of recent people that, that I followed probably a good space just to kind of have as like a stepping off point to find more of like, you know, who is like your, your tribe within this space, because there's yeah. going to be people who are into NFT gaming, NFT music, um, you know, tokenization in general development, uh, investments. If you're, you know, kind of interested in like the VC space and how to get right. funding and do all of that, like VC Twitter, as, as we all call it, but now there's more specifically like VC Web3 Twitter, uh, <laughs> and you can dive into that. So one person that I'll put out there, actually an investor in VHS, is uh, with A16Z, and specifically Chris Dixon. I think he's got a fantastic um, you know presence on Twitter, talks about it all the time. He was um, just recently, I think he spoke at, oh God, what was the, the conference in uh, in Eastern Florida uh, a couple weeks back. Here or, or yeah, Eastern yeah. Florida? It was in Eastern or, Florida. It was in like uh, Palm Beach, I think. 
uh, permissionless. Yes, exactly. So permissionless. He spoke at that conference. It was a great talk. So he's someone that even if you're not in the investment space, at least the companies that he's talking about and some of the topics he's touching on will then give you a lot of, you know, kind of ideas of what's relevant and what the future looks like in the space. What is something that excites you the most about this space like in the future what something coming i think everything is coming <laughs> right and i won't I, i'll try not to get like too um too too conceptual too theoretical here but you know to me you know i use the word token a lot because to me token is not just some like hey it's a coin or hey there's just like this like one thing that exists in my wallet a token really represents the fact that you have your blockchain database layer right and you then kind of at the top end have, call it like the, the economics around the entire model. But in that middle layer there, you have the computing layer. You have what are smart contracts. And you, you have the fact that this is now and will be for the future, the foreseeable future, the new, it truly is the new internet and the new computing paradigm in terms of how we think about not only building you know, games and experiences, but how we build companies. So that's probably the thing that I'm most excited about is that we are right on the cusp and still so early days in, in every regard that this is now the new way that we're going to look at essentially building everything going forward. You know, people ask me like, okay, well, what's a use case for, you know, for tokens or what I can do here or whatnot? And I'll respond to them a lot. I'm like, well, how long is a string, right? Well, it's, it's like it's infinite, right? Or, or, or it's, it's, it's nothing. And it's, it's very similar in terms of tokens and in terms of what we can do on this new, you know, real application runtime and new computing system. So that's what I'm really most excited about. And I'm also really excited about, and to kind of keep it on the kind of conceptual tip, so excited of the fact that we're finally starting to get a little bit past the point where whenever we talk about the metaverse, it is not just about some VR experience or some like Decentraland type thing, right? The metaverse really is about where we can digitally exist, both for, yes, experiences, entertainment, gaming, hanging out with friends, attending meetings, going to all those things, but really where the new landscape of digital business is, is occurring. So I am super excited for all of that. And that's kind of what I'm most excited about. So it's not like one thing in particular, like yeah. there's a bunch that's kind of on the near term horizon that is cool and, uh, and, and whatnot, whether that's around, like we were talking about, like the, you know, the Ethereum merge and what's going on there. That's great. I'm excited about the fact that, you know, kind of that we are in a little bit of a mini crypto winter right now. <laughs> and for me, that means that a lot of the kind of, a lot of the chuff, a lot of that is getting weeded out of the system and it's a great point for that to always happen. I mean, like recessions happen to be a time that I, every company that I've ever really built significantly has been in a recession. And so now that we're going into another one of those, I'm really excited for that. And I don't mean to say that in, in a kind of in a, you know, a flippant way. I mean, there's a lot of people that go through hard times with this, but it's a great time for the people who are really serious about this and building the real aspects of the future for them to thrive and come through this even stronger than, uh, than they went into it. So. Awesome. Yeah. Um, you mentioned your Twitter. So yeah. you want to, in all the places people can find you. Sure. So on Twitter, <laughs> I'm just Jason Mello, J A S O N M E L O. And, uh, pretty straightforward. I don't, I, I, I want to start 
tweeting more. Uh, <laughs> I don't post as much as I should, but I'll be doing a little bit more of that. But if you check out who I'm following, I think that's the most kind of interesting part about that. <laughs> I try to be as selective as possible, um, but uh, I'm not always as uh, successful with that. But yeah, that, that's how you can find me on Twitter. And um, LinkedIn is, is also a place that, that I live, both from you know, always trying to recruit some of the best talent in the industry that, that, that we can. And it's also a place where I have a little bit more kind of activity. So I'm just uh, Jason Mello on, Twi- on uh, LinkedIn as well. And uh, pretty much everything else from a social perspective, I, I still say stay private. So, Well, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, appreciate it, Joseph. Thank yeah. you.